Hello and welcome to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. My name is James Early. Thanks so much for joining me today. Each week we take a fresh look at the Bible and dig down beneath the surface of things to the deep spiritual lessons of God's love for each one of us and how to live that love in our daily lives. The goal is to get back to the original Christianity of Jesus with his focus on healing and salvation and his message that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So let's jump right in. Hey, welcome back to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. This is episode number 11. Today's topic is, Thank God there was no room in the Bethlehem Inn when Jesus was born. Today I'm just going to talk a little bit about the birth of Jesus. Now, I used to think this was really not fair to Jesus. There should have been room in the inn. Somebody should have had a place for them to stay. It could have been fitting for him to be born in a palace, at least in a nice, comfortable place. But here he is in this unauspicious, humble setting with some farm animals, and he's sleeping in the feeding trough. My wife and I got a real insight in this on the birth of our youngest daughter. When we got to the hospital and my wife was in labor, the place was a zoo. All the labor rooms were full. There were women on gurneys up and down the hallway in labor. It was chaos. There was no room in the inn for us. There wasn't even a place to sit. Our doctor knew that my wife was in the construction business, and he had an idea that he thought might work for us that wouldn't work for most people. He arranged for us to go into this room that really wasn't ready for any occupants. It was in the middle of construction. It was about 60% finished. There were no ceiling panels. The conduits and the wires were hanging out of the ceiling. There was construction debris. There was sawdust and mortar on the floor. It was a mess. The doctor took us in there, and our first thought was, oh my gosh, this is a mess. But the minute we got in there and the doctor closed the door, it was quiet. We felt peaceful. Even amidst all the debris, we felt a sense of peace. And both of us had the same thought that this was kind of like Jesus being born in the stable. It was not the first choice. It was not the best situation, but it was a protection. It was safe. It was quiet. It was away from all the other people and all the noise. So we both got a sense of how important the stable was to the peaceful atmosphere of Jesus' birth. But think about it for a minute. I think it was a blessing that Jesus was born in a stable. All those places to stay that didn't have any room for Joseph and Mary— Just think about it. They were noisy. They were crowded. There was probably no privacy. They might have even had to share a room with two or three other families. Everyone was in town to take the census. Not to mention all the busybodies and the gossip that goes on when you have that many people together. And then Mary's pregnant. I'm sure everybody would have had their perfect advice to give to a young expectant mother. Things have not changed much in 2,000 years. The stable was the best option they had. But once they got in there, just think of the difference between the atmosphere from the inn or those boarding places, wherever they might have stayed, and the stable. There was warmth from the animals. There was privacy, and it was warm. It was dry. Actually, it was a protection for Mary and Joseph and then Jesus when he was born. Now I want you to think of that iconic image we all have in our minds of the baby Jesus in the manger in the feeding trough. 
So we're going to talk about the significance of that in just a minute. But first, I want you to think about putting Jesus in the manger was probably just a spontaneous action on their part. They didn't have any place to put him. There were no cribs or beds in the stable. They just had to be flexible and use what they had on hand. It's this moment of spontaneity that's so beautiful. And we have turned this into, as I said, this icon of deep meaning. But it was a moment of spontaneity. And I think we need to get back to the spontaneity of celebrating Christmas. We need to have those spontaneous moments of, oh, let's try this. Let's see if this works. You can apply that idea in anything in your life. We get so regimented and so regulated sometimes. And this whole situation of them being in the stable is part of this whole idea of it was not what they planned, is not what they expected. We don't know why they didn't have friends and family they could stay with. We don't know all the details, but they had to be flexible. That's one of the messages in this Christmas story is be flexible, be spontaneous, be open to new ideas. Jesus was in the manger. The word manger actually comes from a Latin word, which means to eat or to chew. And of course, they had the the grain or the hay in the feeding trough for the animals in the stable to eat. I think Jesus lying in the manger in the feeding trough is really symbolic of something he said later in his ministry. This is in John 6.35. He said, I am the bread of life. Christ is in the feeding trough of life. We're supposed to eat Christ up. We're supposed to take the ideas he gives us and eat them up like we're hungry for the truth. And so the little baby Jesus in that feeding trough really is a symbol of us needing to partake of who Jesus is and what he teaches us, and then put it to practice in our daily lives. So it's not just a happenstance that he was in that feeding trough. I think it's a symbol for us to remember about who Jesus is and how we're supposed to respond to that. Something else that I really appreciate about Jesus being born in the stable was that these were very humble beginnings. Here he is, the Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords and the Prince of peace, and he starts out in a stable with some donkeys and horses and cows or whatever animals were there, we don't know for sure. He did not need the world's glitter and glory to announce that he was the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah regardless of where he was born. But I think it's so beautiful that he was born in this humble setting because it set the tone for the humility and the meekness he expressed in his ministry 30 years later. I want to get back to that whole idea of Jesus being born in Bethlehem. On the surface, the reason was that Caesar Augustus had decreed that there was going to be a census. Now, in the King James Version of the Bible, it says that all the world should be taxed, but a better translation is that there was going to be a census. So everyone had to go back to their hometown where their family's origins were. And Joseph, being from the house and lineage of King David, had to go back to Bethlehem because that's where David had been and that's where his family origins were. Imagine that you were Caesar Augustus making this decree for the census. It could have taken them up to a week to two weeks to get there. It was maybe, it was probably over 90 miles altogether. Caesar was in charge of the whole Roman Empire and he could do whatever he wanted and his word was law. He thought he came up with this brilliant idea to have a census for whatever reason. But actually, there was something bigger going on. It was not just about that census. Because of that census and the requirement for Joseph 
to go to Bethlehem, that actually fulfilled the prophecy in Micah 5.2 that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Joseph and Mary weren't preparing to go to Bethlehem. They weren't planning on that. Mary was pregnant. But then they had to go because of this decree. I love this whole juxtaposition, or you could call it a power play almost. Caesar thinks he's so powerful, but actually it's the true God who is in control and orchestrating events beyond what we can see as humans. God was actually using Caesar to fulfill prophecies that he'd given the prophet Micah hundreds of years before. You may be in a situation where the Caesars in your life, maybe it's the rulers of the country you live in, or the rulers at your church, or your school, or a business you have, or maybe your family, They come down with a decree, and this is what's going to happen. It might be a unilateral decision, or it might be something by consensus with a board of directors, or it might be some democratic organization taking a vote. We think that we have made a choice, or it looks like someone else has made a decision, and we have to go along with it. That's exactly what Caesar Augustus thought. But there was something bigger going on. So anytime those things are happening in your life, or maybe you're the one in charge making those decisions, there's actually something bigger going on. God is in control beyond and above what you think you are controlling. And he's using you or those people or those circumstances or whatever you're involved in to bring about and fulfill his purpose for what needs to happen. And it often does not look like it on the surface. When Mary and Joseph got to Bethlehem and they had to stay in a stable, that didn't look like what they had planned. But they were flexible, as I said. Something may happen in your life and you may not like it. You may not think that it is in your plan. You may not want to have to make that 90-mile journey on foot with a pregnant wife from Nazareth to Bethlehem. You may not want to have to have something happen that is an inconvenience. But maybe, just maybe, God has a bigger plan for you. He wants you to meet someone that you wouldn't have otherwise. That's happened to me. It's happened to my wife. Recently, she was coming back on a trip, and she didn't get on the plane she was supposed to. And because of that, she ended up meeting this wonderful person that she really needed to meet that she wouldn't have otherwise. You just never know what God is working in your life. So be open to these things. We need to be less rigid in the way we respond to the events going on in our lives and recognize that even if something's not pleasant or not what we wanted, there might be something wonderful that comes from it. That's another part of this message from the Christmas story that I I don't usually think about and I think is overlooked too often. So in this coming year, when it seems like the Augustus Caesars in your life, are making decisions. Look for the hand of God. Look for the way that God is orchestrating events in ways that Caesar can't see. And treasure your stable and manger moments as a protection and a blessing, even though it's different from what your preconceptions were. I hope you are having a wonderful Christmas season and that with all the festivities and activities that are going on, that you've had some time to be quiet and just listen to God and really appreciate the beauty of the season and get down to the spiritual essence of what Christmas is all about. Ever since I was a little kid, people have said something like, is there room in the inn in your heart for Jesus to be born? Is there room in our heart this Christmas season 
for the Christ to come? Or are we so busy with all the human activities? Is there room for us to be quiet and listen for what God is telling us and for that reappearing of the Christ message, which is God's love for all mankind? Are we taking that in? Are we feeling that? Are we just being overcome with the beauty and the power of God's love for us and all mankind? We need to ponder these things at Christmas, and I hope you'll have time to do that during this Christmas season. I'm going to close with this well-known verse from Luke chapter 2, verse 7. It's referring to Mary. What I'd love to know is what this verse means to you. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Again, I hope you've had a wonderful Merry Christmas season and that you have felt the rebirth of Jesus in your heart. You've felt the presence of Christ. You've felt God's love for you, your family, your friends, and the whole world. That's the message of Christmas is that God sent Jesus into the world because he loves us so much. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If this is your first time here at the Bible Speaks to You podcast, I hope you'll go back and listen to some of the first episodes, the first two or three. They kind of give an idea of who this James Early guy is and what this podcast is all about. And if you haven't listened to the previous two, episodes nine and ten, they're also on the Christmas season. So just some ideas to think about during this wonderful time of year. Now, I have a favor or two to ask of you. I would really appreciate it if you would share this podcast with a friend. And I'd appreciate it if you haven't already to subscribe over on the Apple Podcast app or on Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you like to listen to podcasts and leave a review. The best place to do that is on Apple Podcasts right now. Leave me a review and let me know what you think. I'd love to know if there's anything that you found specifically helpful. And you can also leave a comment on the show notes, which you'll find at thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 011. This is episode number 11. I'd love to hear from you and hear what your thoughts are. If you have any questions about the Bible or topics that you'd like me to cover, or if you'd just like to start a conversation, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Again, I hope you're having a wonderful Christmas season. Thanks so much for listening. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. Music